Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm going to start because I don't want to go long like I did last week. You know, that was kind of chaotic out there. Um, so I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we'll just get started. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we ask you that your presence would be in our midst, that our cups would overflow with your love, and that we would feel you in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the perks, you know, last week I talked about perks, like the announcements of giving perks. One of them was about bananas and banana bread. So I got like five banana breads this week. And so I am enjoying the fruit and the labor of those perks. So I figured, you know, I should give you a new perk, like a perk of preaching, you know, is, is you know, I want a boat. So now if you guys all want to go out and buy me like five boats, uh, I'll be able to have boats next week. Okay, that's just kidding. But I wanted to build off of last week. So last week we did baptisms. One of the key things that happens in a baptism is that the person is a new creation. They get sealed by the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in Ephesians 1. You know, that we are now citizens of another kingdom. Uh, in Philippians, it talks about that our citizenship is no longer on earth, but it is in heaven. And we're waiting for the day when Jesus will come again to give us resurrected bodies. And in that moment, we will be glorified. And so as I was thinking how the Holy Spirit lives inside of us from baptism and never leaves us. Okay, and I wanted to read this verse to you because I didn't read it last week. It's John 14, chapter 14. Verses 16, and then I'll kind of skip around a little bit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the Holy Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because he doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while remaining with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all things that I've said to you. Now, this is a, a very important fact as a believer is that we recognize and understand that the Holy Spirit is in us right now forever until Jesus returns and then forever after that. We will be connected through God from the Holy Spirit to the Father and to the Son. Now, everybody in this room knows that that the Holy Spirit is in you. My question to you today and what I want to focus is, do you live that way? And what I mean by that is, let's say I was doing, uh, did anybody ever do premarital uh, counseling? Like before you got married, they sit you down, they tell you what marriage is going to be like, you read a book, et cetera, et cetera. So if I was giving you premarital counseling and 95% of what I taught you was about how to do date nights. How well do you think your marriage would turn out? How well do you think you'd be equipped for marriage? If I only taught you before you got married, 95% of it I spent on how to take your wife or your husband on a good date. Probably wouldn't be, uh, it'd be a rocky road in the beginning, right? Like you'd have really high expectations of what life would be like being married, doing all the dates every day, doing all these things. In reality, a married couple who has kids, maybe 5% of what you do, you get a date night. If you're lucky, maybe 10%. The reality of a family 
is that you are com constantly communicating with your partner as your children are running around, you're cleaning and touching base with them, saying words of encouragement, giving them a slap on the butt, or giving them a hug, or whatever you do that shows your affection to your partner. But the majority of the time, you are busy. You're doing things. You don't get to just go out to a restaurant, sit down, have a nice conversation in peace and quiet, and then go to a movie or go bowling. That's not reality. I feel, and what I'm going to say next could cause a little bumps in the road, and usually I pass it by Dennis and Matt before I preach on a rocky subject, but they weren't here this week, so I'm claiming concussion. <laughs> concussion. Just, is that the majority of us have been taught how to do a Bible study. The majority of us have been taught, hey, that you need to get up in the morning early and pray and read the Bible so that you can be closer to God. And that is true. Reading the Bible and praying brings you closer to Jesus. I'm not saying it doesn't. But what I'm saying is, is the power is to commune with the Holy Spirit who is in you all day long through every single activity that you're doing. And that's going to fill you up and equip you more than you being able to read the Bible in the morning and then not thinking about Jesus for another 24 hours. Are you tracking with me? A lot of people I know were taught on how to read the Bible and to meditate on the word and how to pray for hours in the morning. And now, 10 years later, the majority of the people I knew don't even have a relationship with Jesus anymore because once they got older and had families and hit real life, they didn't know how to sustain that relationship with God because they were too busy. They lost the feeling of love. They lost feeling what the Holy Spirit's voice was like. They lost how to communicate with others, all because they put all of their eggs in one basket was, if I get up and read the Bible and pray every morning, then Jesus will love me and I, and I love Jesus. And that's true. When we read about the Word, that's where we're going to get the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things, is through His Word. But it doesn't mean that I have to spend hours every day reading the Bible to be close to Him. And so today, my hope is that I can teach you how to commune with the Holy Spirit throughout the day, different phrases, different things, so that you will be confident in who you are before him. Now, if you know me, I love sports, right? Like we talk about sports all the time. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jacob Beers got some tickets to a baseball game, a Royals game. And it was like last minute. And Dennis texted me, hey, do you want to go to the Royals game in two days? I said, yeah, I'll go. You know, I didn't have any plans. I could rearrange it. I went to the Royals game. These tickets, I'm going to tell you these tickets. You guys won't even believe it. These tickets were two rows back from home plate. The chairs where you were like reclining. But no, 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 it gets way better, way better, way better. Before you make it to the chairs, you take an elevator downstairs and you enter a huge buffet full of free food. Anything you can imagine. I'm telling you the food was the expensive food because when I went through it, I wouldn't eat any of it. It was these things, I'm like, I don't know what that is and that is and I'm gonna pass on that. Oh, here's chocolate cheesecake, I'm gonna grab that. You know, but Dennis and Jacob and you know, everybody had their plates were full of all this food that I would not touch. 
but it was all free. And then when you get to your chairs, this is the key part, you get a waitress. A waitress comes to your chairs and will bring you anything you want on the menu. Drinks, food, nonstop. Just if you don't like the food, just get something different. You don't like that, get something different. Nonstop for the price of these tickets, everything was free. I'm sitting there just loving every single minute of it. You couldn't get me out of those seats. And it was like 100 degrees and we're baking in the sun. And if you know me, I hate sweating. I hate being in the sun. I, it's like the worst feeling of my life. But because I was enjoying the seat so much, I didn't even care that I was sweating and that I was getting sunburnt and it was awkward or anything. And we were just laughing and enjoying one another during the game. It was all about fellowship. I think maybe we probably talked about God a couple of times, but in reality, we just talked about life and baseball. Do you know that Jesus enjoyed me doing that as much as he enjoys me up here talking to you today? He enjoys me just as much hanging out with friends, going to a baseball game that he provided for than if I'm up here preaching and praying and prophesying over people. His love towards me does not change. And when I do things according to his will, and I'm communing with the Holy Spirit in the baseball game, I'm sitting there in the chairs thanking Jesus for this opportunity, thanking him for the food, thanking him for the drinks, loving on the people around me. It's bringing him glory just as much as if I was preaching the gospel. As I'm preaching to you now in his standards, it's the same. And I believe that the Lord wants to impart that grace and that revelation to you. Because a lot of people I know can say what I just said, but they don't feel it in their heart or in their spirit day to day. They don't feel that when they're hanging out with their family members or they're hanging out with their children or they're working in their job, that God is just as much as proud of them then than when you're here on a Sunday morning singing a song to him. There's a shift that happens, and the shift happens is when you understand that the Holy Spirit in you is in you forever, and he's opening up doors for you to feel his love. Now, there's this phrase, um, and I'm jumping way ahead of my notes, but we'll all get there. There's this phrase when we talk about faithfulness. So there's different parables about faithfulness, right? Like that, hey, if you're faithful with little, you'd be faithful with much. And usually people use that either with finances, because that's what the parable was about, or a different one was talking about, hey, if you're faithful with little, if faithful with much, I'll put you over kingdoms in the age to come. So it's talking about authority. Those are the two common ways I've heard people interpret this scripture. I want to throw out... Um, my way that I'm interpreting it that I think could encourage your hearts. What if you being faithful in little is being faithful with the opportunities God's given you to have joy? Think of the areas that you have personal joy in that God brings into your life that you can choose either to have joy in that moment and accept the gift that God's giving you or a lot of us, sometimes we resist these good gifts that God's giving us because we say, well, I'll restrain from that because of X, Y, and Z. Because we're trying to not feel like we are worthy of accepting the joy that the Lord has for us. 
like the baseball tickets. I could have said, no, I, don't, I shouldn't go. You know, Jesus probably not at the baseball game. But in reality, Jesus is at the baseball game. He's at the baseball game. I've had people come up to me over the years, and in a good way, like their hearts are right, they'll say, you know, I spent five hours today with Jesus. And I'll look at them, I'll be like, great, it's five hours, that's a lot. And they're really excited. And internally, I'm like, you're missing out. I get 24 hours a day, even when I'm sleeping, my spirit is connected with the Holy Spirit, and they are communion with each other. They're bonding, I'm learning, I'm hearing. And when we feel that, we get joy in our hearts. When, I, when the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength in Nehemiah, I think it's Nehemiah that says that, it's, it says to go have a party. The scripture that that is actually being placed in is the prophet telling Israel to have a party and to throw a party. And that is where when we come together and celebrate the Lord or when we come together and just celebrate we are filled with joy, and in that joy, there's strength that I can't be moved. When I'm at home and I'm filled with joy with my family, and I feel Jesus' love rushing into me, and then I open up a piece of mail that says I owe $10,000 in medical bills, if I'm not filled with joy in the moment, that bill will overwhelm me. It will sit on me. It will make me get angry. It will make me get anxious. I'll be frustrated. I'll be snappy at my kids. I'll be snappy with my wife. But if I'm filled with joy and I open up the letter, my response internally is, oh, the Lord will take care of it. Somehow it will work out. And when we respond with that, that's the joy of the Lord is our strength. It allows us to overcome the waves of discouragement. It allows us to overcome all the obstacles that the enemy's placed in our way because we are excited that Jesus loves us and that he's passionate about us. Now, the other way is, as an example, last night, I was trying to prepare for today's message. The kids all day have been bugging me to go to the swimming pool, and I wasn't going to go in the heat because I hate the sun. I hate sweating. And so I'm like, okay, I'll take you after dinner. And we go there, and I bring my laptop in my bag so they can swim, and I sat down at the table to do it. But I did it in a way to where I was doing it for them, but internally, I was still kind of like, ugh, I don't really want to do this right now. Like, I want to be home in air conditioning, and I want to be doing this, my thoughts of how to preach today. I don't want to be taking time doing this at the swimming pool where I'm sweating and listening to them scream and people playing their music, and it was all being annoying to me. And the Lord in the moment said, are you going to enjoy the things I've given you? Are you going to be faithful with having a swimming pool and your kids wanting to swim and you doing the thing that you're on your heart or are you going to disconnect from it? And as soon as I said, Lord, forgive me, I will take joy that I can sit here at this table, work on this sermon as they swim and immediately my emotions internally switched over. My heart was pure. I felt God's voice. I had all, even there was chaos going out there in the swimming pool. It wasn't affecting me from hearing God's voice and being able to articulate what I felt he was saying. Does that make sense? So again, it's our choice in the moment. Are we going to be faithful with the opportunities God gives us to enter in with joy or just to kind of sit back and be like, ah, oh, just kind of go with it. 
If we start responding in our hearts that God wants us to enter into the different situations he has for us, our hearts will be free to hear the Holy Spirit and to be moved by him. I want to read uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. What this is saying is a lot of times I've run into Christians who they are really sold after Jesus. They love Jesus with all of their heart, but then they isolate themselves from others. And what I believe the Lord's saying in this verse is that we are supposed to shine in the world the world is darkness. God, the Holy Spirit in us is light. When we enter a room, we are supposed to shine the glory of the Father and represent him to all these other people. Well, who are we representing him to? We're representing him to unbelievers. We're representing him to the world. We're representing him to other believers in the same room. So an example is, you know, again, I, we go to, I go to Walmart all the time. That's the store I go to. The night prior... Our youngest, Emery, she has a whole bag of nail polish. And she is going around our whole house. If anybody has their feet out or their hands out, she is doing their whole thing. <laughs> so as you can see, I don't know, like I have rainbows uh, on my, my toenails. Because she will just sneak up on you and you don't even know she's there and she's marking them. We can be standing in the kitchen. I, can talk, I was talking to Megan. I looked down. She's on the floor painting our toenails. <laughs> and so she is a secret assassin. She just sneaks up on you. But my point is, is so that happened the night. The next morning, we as a family go to Walmart because we know last year we missed out on school supplies. So we're going to go get school supplies and we're going to go get groceries. And so we divide and conquer. We have three carts, and we are going through the whole store, buying everything. And we get to the counter, and the guy looks down at my toes. I forgot they're even painted. He looks down at them and then looks up at me, and he says, you have an amazing family. He says, I love seeing you and your family. You guys care for one another. You guys love each other. This is what the guy's saying to me as we're checking out at Walmart, just because I forgot that, I, that she did my toenails, was because the way we were interacting with one another was out of love. It was shining light to Jesus. And this man knows I'm a Christian. I've talked to him before. And so the point is, is when I meet people, yes, I do try to bring up Jesus, but sometimes I don't. And the reason I might not in that very moment is because I want to bring him up a different way the next time I meet them. I'm trying to build relationship with people that God has placed me at. So like Matt's message, you know, like you guys are, have your each your acts. Wherever God's placed you, wherever you're placed, you're called to shine. 
You're called to give the love of Jesus. And over time, they will be asking, why does your family do this? What do you believe? How, what is possible? Because even just a moment ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were at a wedding. I don't know anybody at this entire wedding. Megan, my wife, is going off talking to all these people. I'm stuck at a table, and I chose, I can either pull out my phone and just check out for the next two hours, or I can engage with the other guy who's not talking to anybody across the table. And I start engaging with him, and we start talking for two and a half hours, and I was telling him about my beliefs about God and Jesus, and I could tell that he wasn't a believer, but when he left, his wife, his wife texted my wife saying, he won't stop talking about David. This is really weird and incredible. And it was because we were building relationship and I wasn't forcing my agenda on him, but I was talking in a way that would open up his heart to see that I'm different than the other people he's around. How is that possible? Well, the, it's because the Holy Spirit is in me and he is moving through me and everything I say is usually filtered through the Holy Spirit. Now, do I say wrong things? Yes. But I would, I would say there are a billion more I would have said wrong if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. I choose my words more carefully. I say things differently because when I'm about to say something, I can feel the Holy Spirit say, oh, you might want to reword that. Oop, is that glorifying Jesus? Oop, is that the testimony of Jesus? Is my heart in the right place? All these steps are hearing the Holy Spirit and then speaking out. But I want to give you guys a list of different ways you can start growing even more and more with the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways that I tell people to start with is we know that the Holy Spirit is in us, right? I've kept saying that over and over. He is in us. You should grab a scripture verse. You could grab that John 14 where it says that he is in you forever. And when you start saying that over and over, your faith grows with revelation and you start believing when you're praying to the Holy Spirit, he's within you. So when I picture praying to the Holy Spirit, I don't picture my voice like going up to heaven and like the Holy Spirit grabbing it. I picture the Holy Spirit within me and I'm talking to my belly, I'm talking to my heart and I'm moving back and forth with him as I speak. He's here, he's not far off, he's not up here, he's not 10 feet away. He's right here. So when I speak to him in that way, I don't need to yell. I don't need to shout. I speak to him as he's like my close friend. And then you'll hear or you'll be moved. Different people hear and feel things differently. So you might not all hear what he has to say, but he'll be moving your emotions. He'll be moving your thoughts. He'll be moving your, um, your eyes. You know, sometimes the Lord just directs your eyes to something, and that's him just leading and guiding you. The way you learn the, le the leading of the Holy Spirit is start stepping out in the different ways the Lord is leading you. If you're like, hey, I feel like I should go into the coffee shop right now. That's probably the Holy Spirit because he, you wouldn't just all of a sudden be like, hey, I should go to the coffee shop. That's the Holy Spirit leading you to that. Hey, I feel like I should go to the grocery store now. Okay, when I go to the grocery store, I'm ready. Like, who does the Lord want me to talk to? You know, so, but there's no pressure. 
So that's the one thing I really want to stress. There's no pressure in fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal all things to you. He wants you to know him more than we want to know the Holy Spirit because he wants to reveal Jesus. Now, another example that might help people if you have a, if you have a hard time focusing on the Holy Spirit within you when you're praying, picture holding hands with him. So if you're picturing holding hands with him, that he's near you. And that's another example. If you're struggling with praying within, you just look to your right or to your left. Hey, Holy Spirit, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I love you, Holy Spirit. I would say throughout the day, I say the one or two line prayers a hundred times or more. And what I mean is I'll be driving in the car and I'll just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. I need more of your conviction, Holy Spirit. I need more purity, Holy Spirit. I need more wisdom, Holy Spirit. These are the phrases that I say. And when I say it immediately, I feel different on the inside because I'm looking within for help. And when I look within for help, he answers. When I try to fix it on my own without his guidance, that's when I get filled with confusion and anxiety. I one of the ways you know if you're talking to the Holy Spirit or not is you go to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which is listed in Ephesians 5 and Galatians 5. They both kind of hit what the things of the fruit of the flesh is and what the things of the fruit of the Spirit are. When I know I'm being led by peace, love, joy, and hope, I know the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me. If I'm leaded with envy or anger or frustration, I know that's not the Holy Spirit because he's so kind to me. And it allows me to learn what his voice is compared to the enemy's voice. Now, another example that I use um, in learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And this is going to sound weird to people, but if you have uh, imagination, to me, this is the most beneficial one out of them all. I picture being in a mansion with the Holy Spirit. And as I'm in this mansion, I picture the Holy Spirit leading me to different doors. And every door is closed. And I get to that door and I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? And then I will hear something. So an example for this was, is last night I was praying. I said, I was picturing being in a mansion. I was picturing the door before me closed. And as I see the door, my thought goes to, okay, it's Sunday service. So I know the Holy Spirit's telling me this door is about Sunday service. I said, Holy Spirit, what do you have for Sunday service? He said, I had joy, I have peace, and I have confidence in my love to be released. That's all he said was those things. And so I knew that is what the Lord is wanting to do in this room through me today was to give you those things. And so then after that, I'm able to plan out my sermon because I know the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now I do that all the time. I'll go to things, I'll say, Lord, what do you have for me and my family today? And I'll hear like peace or rest. And I'll be like, okay, great. So what, how do I get my family to enjoy, have peace and rest in our household? What are the steps that I can do that would get us there? Watch a movie together. Play games. You know, there's different activities, but the Lord will lead you. I'm trying to give you ex practical examples how you can do this at your home or at your work. If you're at work and you're saying, Lord, what do you have for me today at work? 
He's going to give you something specific for you to be able to do. And when you're filled with joy, your atmosphere will be different. People around you can't explain when them being drawn to joy. You can tell when people's in a bad mood, right? Like, oh man, I kind of don't want to be around them. They're in a bad mood. I kind of move away. But if you're around somebody who's filled with joy, people are flocked to them because joy brings people in. It brings love. It brings confidence. It brings excitement. It brings victory. Over and over and over, people are drawn to light. We are called to be light. Now, some people, it says in the Bible that the darkness hates the light and they won't have any part of us. The other ones say that, the, that we will draw people out. And so when I go into a crowd, when I go do fun activities, I have just as much confidence that I'm doing it before the Lord as if I'm coming to church. I'm still living the same life. I'm still thinking the same thing. I'm still treating people the same way. If I'm going to a baseball game or if I'm going to a concert or if I'm going someplace, my goal while I'm there is to represent Jesus well. I want to share the testimony of Jesus. And if I can't do it verbally, I'm going to do it with my actions, with how people greet me. And people trust the light. What I mean by that is people who can just meet you if they feel love and joy around you, they will trust you. They will feel safe around you. They will open up. I can't tell you how many times I'll start talking to somebody about Jesus, and they'll start telling me their whole history of why, how they got offended, who hurt them, who abused them. A stranger telling me, a nobody, a guy who looks like this with now a scar on his head. You know, they share things with me, not because I look friendly and I'm great, it's because they can feel the Holy Spirit around me and in me that makes them feel confident that they can trust me. Does that make sense? We have to grow in joy. The way you grow in joy is you grow in how the Lord feels about you every day of your life. Every moment of your life. I'll be driving down the road, I'll be like, Lord, you love me. I'm your favorite. Here I am, Jesus. Look at me, because that's how my kids treat me, right? My kids, if I give my kids a toy and they play with it, they often want me to see them playing with their toy, what I just gave them. When Jesus gives me an opportunity or gives me a gift to go to a baseball game with Jacob Beers, I know the Lord is so excited that I'm excited about that present. Imagine if you gave your kid a gift, and he looks at the gift, it's the gift he's been wanting, and he just sets it down, he's like, oh, I'm not worthy to play with it, Dad. It would crush the dad's heart. He'd be like, no, 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 I just bought this for you, I gave it to you, it's yours. And the kid's like, I'm not worthy to play with it. I did too many bad things today. I made a mess in the living room. Who cares about the living room? I gave you this toy to play with. You know, so that is how we actually do treat Jesus. So often he gives us things and we push it aside saying we're not worthy to do that because we screwed up in X, Y, and Z. Or I know better than you, Jesus. I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. And the Lord is saying from heaven, I'm giving you all these gifts. I'm the good father. If your earthly father can give you good gifts, how much can your heavenly father in heaven give you good gifts? 
We have to transition our minds to seeing the Father giving us good gifts. Giving us good gifts. What I want to do, just for a moment, I'm just going to pray over us for that. Holy Spirit, I just release in this room fresh revelation of how you give good gifts. How you desire us, how you're proud of us, how you long for us to know you. Open up our spirits. Open up our minds to receive your love. In Jesus' name. So here are simple prayers that I pray. I'm just going to read through them because, again, time. Um, So these are prayers. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This prayer probably gets prayed more than anything. Help me, Holy Spirit. I say that all day long. Even at work, when I'm trying to work on cabinets or do something that's frustrating, I just say, help me, Holy Spirit. If my boss is nagging me and making me feel bad, I just say, help me, Holy Spirit. Over and over and over, if I direct my attention to the Holy Spirit and not to what's out here, I find peace and calm instead of being depressed. Give me a teachable spirit. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Release revelation. Now, one of the ways, those are all really the easy prayers, right? That we can all say all the time, very simple, one, two, three, go, right? Here are the ones we have to train ourselves to do even more than that. Is we have to be able to train ourselves in every circumstance to give glory and honor to the Lord, to give him praise. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 say that. But I want to give you some examples. And you're going to think these examples are weird, but these are real examples that I do on a daily basis because it's real life. When I go and I stub my toe super hard on a door, immediately when I'm feeling all the pain rush into me, out of my mouth says, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's because I train myself that that's the first thing I say. And why do I say that? Because in my mind, I'm like, it could have been worse. I could have broke my toe. So let's say I did it and I broke my toe. I still immediately say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Why? Because it could have been worse. I might not have health insurance. There's always something that could have been worse when I face obstacles or when I get physical pain. I thank him for protecting me in whatever that scenario is. Does that make sense? It's not saying I'm welcoming the pain. It's saying I trust and thank you that it wasn't worse than what happened to me. Because I believe he has the best for me. I believe he's looking out for me in every single area of my life, with my family, with my finances, with my relationships. So when bad things happen, I know the Holy Spirit was a part of making it not happen as bad as the enemy wanted it to happen. Or as bad as somebody else wanted to hurt me. Um, Another example would be uh, with your family, like when your friend or somebody, family member, is being rude to you. You know, when they're just being mean, right? Happens at work, happens in relationships, happens with family. When my friend is being mean to me and making me feel like crap, internally, I say, Holy Spirit, you love him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting him in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, 
that you know what truth is. That's my favorite one that I end up on that I have all the in my spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know what the truth is. Because when I say that, all the accusations or the feelings this person is putting on me, it immediately gets taken away from me in the spirit because I'm saying, I know right here that you see everything, know everything. The Holy Spirit is in here and he's going to witness to who I am. And what they're saying about me right now, there's no witness. So that is not what heaven is declaring about me. So then he has, those words have no hold on me. When they say bad things about me, I'm able to walk away with confidence and still walk away in love towards them because I know that they're just having a bad moment. Does that make sense? Okay. When we gain faith and revelation, he is in us forever, we act differently. We talk differently, we love differently, we fight differently, we express ourselves differently. If you're married or if you're in a relationship with family or any of those close relationships, when you're in an argument, you still treat that person with respect because of the Holy Spirit within you. You're not going to say, you're not going to cut that person to shreds because you know the Holy Spirit wouldn't do that and wouldn't be okay with you doing that. That is what I'm talking about, that we live differently when we go through the Holy Spirit. Now, I can be saved with the Holy Spirit in me and me not focus on the Holy Spirit at all and just rip everybody to shreds. But that's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what the Holy Spirit is doing. And we are called to do what the Holy Spirit is doing because what Jesus is doing. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be light. We're called to be representations. The testimony of Jesus in us has to come forth. Now, if you want to turn, because I still have a couple minutes, if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to go real briefly through it. I'm, maybe I should just, I'll just tell you the story because we won't have enough time. Daniel chapter 6, to me, is a perfect example of what it means to walk even though he wasn't filled with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit and be used at where you're at and release the gospel. So what happens in Daniel 6? Daniel 6, um, I'm going to make this up. Darius, there's some king that's in charge. He's testing all the people in there. Daniel's found to be one of the smartest people, so he puts them in charge of all the other smart people. This happens, the other smart people get jealous. They say, hey, let's try to get Daniel out of there. So they couldn't find any fault within Daniel. He wasn't doing anything bad. He wasn't stealing. He wasn't lying. They said the only thing that he does that we can get him in trouble with is if we make a rule that will affect his relationship with his God. So they make a rule that you cannot pray to anybody but this king. And so Daniel prays three times a day. That's what he did in his schedule. And so Daniel heard about it, went to his room still, with the window open, it says, he wasn't hiding it, and he knelt down and kept doing his prayers. So they go, these evil men go before the king and say, hey, didn't you say that you can't do this? And he's like, yeah. Oh, well, your man Daniel, he's doing it. He's got to be thrown into the lion's den. As soon as the king heard it, it said he was grieved in his heart, and he knew that these men tried to trick him and did trick him into doing this. And so it says that the king tried all day long to get out of it and he couldn't find a way out. 
And so then he goes to Daniel and he says, Daniel, your God will save you. His kingdom is forever. Puts Daniel in the lion's den, puts the seal on it, says that the king didn't have any entertainment and didn't eat or drink all night long because he was worried about Daniel. Runs in the morning, gets to the cave. Daniel, Daniel, did your God save you? Daniel answered, yes, king. God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. That is a very important story because how did the king know about Daniel's God? Well, it's because Daniel, when he was around the king, would be telling him about his God. He would be acting different. The king would be asking questions. There's a reason why the king had understanding of how Daniel believed that his God was king of kings and his kingdom would last forever and had a power to save Daniel from the lion's den. How did the king know this? It's because of the witness of Daniel. When he was placed in that act, in his surrounding, he was faithful to Jesus, to God, Jesus wasn't there yet, whatever, to God about who God is. The interesting thing that I love about this story that a lot of times we skip over is Daniel gets taken out of the lion's den. If you read at the end of Daniel chapter 6, it says the king then, through those evil men that plotted against Daniel, their wives and all of their kids into the lion's den. And it said that every bone of their bodies was completely broken before they hit the ground. Imagine how mad those lions had to be. They were sitting there all night with the angel holding their mouth shut. The lions are filled with rage trying to attack. They are hungry. They're angry. Once they get removed, the angel goes, the numbers come in. It says all of their bones were broken before it hit the ground. We're talking about the savageness of what was going to take place. And to me, it represents that the Lord is going to take care of our enemies. That we love Jesus in any of these situations that I just talked about. He will vindicate us. He will provide for us and he will take care of us. Either in this life or in eternity. Because sometimes martyrs happen. Why didn't you take care of him? Well, he was destined to be a martyr. He will be raised up as a martyr. It doesn't mean our lives are going to be easy being Christians. It actually says in the Bible, our lives are going to be filled with obstacles, filled with persecution. We have probably the easiest life right now as a believer in America than any other country because there's so much hatred towards Christians. We're starting to feel that more and more. But it's nothing compared to being tortured in a prison camp over the gospel and not losing hope and faith that God loves me because bad things are happening to me. Does that make sense? So what I want to do is I just want to take, you know, we only have about 10 more minutes. I want to pray for us. And so if you feel like you're just wanting to grow more in hearing from the Holy Spirit all day long. I want you to stand up. You don't need to come forward because I'm not going to be able to pray for everybody. But just stand where you're at, put your hands out, and for the next five to eight minutes, I'm just going to be praying and prophesying whatever I feel like the Lord's doing in the room. And just 
I believe that the Lord, from the beginning, the door that he showed me, he wants to release joy and peace in this room. He wants to release hope. And he wants to get you excited about you entering into the promises that God has placed at your feet that he's given you. He wants you to enter in with joy. And I I just feel like there's just a movement of joy that the Lord just wants to bring confidence into our hearts. So if that's you, I encourage you to stand. Holy Spirit, I just release your wind all across this room. The wind from heaven. Lord, I just declare all the distractions would go. All the lies of the enemy would be blown away right now. All the discouragement would be gone. Heaviness would be lifted. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now like lightning from heaven. That you would hit each one of us in our hearts and in our spirits that you would release the fire within, that we would know your voice above every other voice. We are your sheep and we know the shepherd's voice. I declare the voice of the Lord over this house. I declare the voice of the Lord will be heard over every believer, that we will walk with confidence before you, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that we would be confident in how you feel about us. Right now, Lord, I just lift up the hearts. Lift up their hearts, Lord. Let them feel the emotions from heaven. Come, Holy Spirit. Release more, Lord, right now. Release the gift of grace to enter into communication with you. That faith just to talk to you while we're driving or working. Release your power right now over our ears and our hearts. You will never leave us or forsake us, Holy Spirit. I ask you to mark us with that on our foreheads. Seal that on our hearts that you will never leave us forever. That you are with us, that you see us all day long, that you are longing to speak to us. That you're proud of the things that we're doing. Lord, I ask you for that confidence just to come over us right now, that confidence that you are proud of us, that you see us, Working, doing laundry, talking to others. Confidence in this house, Lord. Just command all discouragement of people who haven't heard your voice very clearly before. I just command that voice to go in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I ask you for that baptism of fire, that freshness all over us again, to be continually filled with the Spirit, like the apostles, continually filled, Lord. I declare that over this house. We would be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, with joy, patience, love, kindness, hope. Release your joy, Lord. Release your joy. Give us your joy, Lord. Let us shine. Let us shine, Lord, everywhere we go. Give us confidence. Give us boldness to shine for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what you're doing in this room. Lord, I ask you for every church that comes in here today, Lord, that they would feel your presence and your joy and your love. Lord, I ask you that we would walk out of this room, Lord, different. That we would be totally clean by your blood. That we would walk in that understanding of just joy and delight that you have for us. Help us play with the things that you've given us. You know, that was one of the phrases the Lord kept saying over and over about today was, teach them how to play with the things I've given them. It's play. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be filled with joy and laughter and learning. No frustration and joy. Lord, give us your peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week, guys.